there has never been a time where there have been more gods and more worship going on. There are plenty of gods for you to choose from. There are gods that will invite you to come and bow down and sacrifice. The question is not, do you believe in God? The question is, which God do you believe in? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We've spent the past several months in a series called Onward, learning important lessons about the Christian life from the book of Joshua. In this week's message, Joshua calls the nation of Israel together to give them one final and important message. In it, he warns them of one thing they must not do if they're going to continue moving onward with God. So let's listen now as Pastor Trent explains how this warning still applies to believers today. Here's Pastor Trent. Get your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 23. Over the course of the last couple of months, we've been marching through the book of Joshua. If you have been here through that, I trust that you can identify some onward progress because the direction of the Christian life is onward. But no matter how much progress you've made, no matter how many steps you've taken onward, did you know you're only one step away from going backward. And as we get to the last couple of chapters of Joshua, Joshua wants to prevent us from going backward. And I was, as I was thinking about going backward, I couldn't help but think about my very first car. How many of you remember your very first car and you were ashamed of your very first car? How many of you have a, a, had a car you're, you're totally ashamed of? You felt like, I'm not quite sure I'm ever going to get to the destination. Well, um, that was not the case for me. My very first car was a 1967 Mustang that my father bought for $400, and it was shameful when he brought it home, but it was not shameful after he had spent about six months in the garage with it. That was my car. And... Um, the, there was only one problem with the Mustang. Um, um, it, was a, it was a standard transmission. How many of you know how to drive a standard transmission? Okay. Now, you understand, it, it, and it was a three-speed on the floor here. And um, my, ca my car, I had to park the car in the driveway. The driveway had a slope to it. And so the only problem with my car is that it didn't have an emergency brake that worked. Okay. So when you're parked on a hill and it's a standard transmission, this was the routine I had to go through every morning to start the car. Now, it was an older car. It had 350 horsepower. It would go, but it was a little hard to start. It needed some gas, which required this foot on the accelerator. But in order to start the car, you have to have this foot on the clutch, right? For those of you that don't know, a standard transmission car has three pedals, and the one in the middle is the brake. And so I only had two feet. I had three pedals that needed my attention. So it was a constant going back and forth like this. I always started out the morning trying to get the negotiation right between the accelerator, the clutch, and the brake because the, the emergency brake didn't work. So every time I started my car, I started to grow backward as I'm starting the car. Now, going backward 
is the result of not having a good emergency break. We're going to see two emergency breaks in this story from Joshua chapter 23 this morning because he's trying to prevent us from going backward. No matter how many steps you've taken onward, you're only one step away from going backward. Here's what we're going to learn. Nothing halts onward progress faster than backward gods. And as you fill in that blank, make sure you put a little g when you are writing out the word God. Now, I realize we live in a culture where philosophy, philosophers and scientists and educators will tell us that there is no God. How many of you have gotten a little pressure, a little pushback from people that believe that? Well, all you have to do is take a quick glance at the culture to disprove that real quick. Because there has never been a time where there have been more gods and more worship going on than at any other time. There are plenty of gods for you to choose from. The question is not, do you believe in God? The question is, which God do you believe in? There is plenty of competition for your worship. There are gods that will invite you to come to their churches and bow down and give you sacrifices. We're going to see that here from Joshua chapter 23. We're going to go through all 16 verses of that chapter. Here's the first thought we're going to get from the text. Remember the superior goodness of your real God. That's the first emergency break that's going to prevent us from going backward. Here we are in chapter 23. These people have come so far. Let's begin reading in verse 1. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years. Now, stop right there. Real quick, do you see the white space in your Bible between the end of chapter 22? and the beginning of chapter 23, that represents about 25 years, okay? A lot of time passed between chapter 22 and chapter 23. Remember back in 22, we looked at the maps, and those 12 tribes of Israel went into their designated places. And so for these 25 years, they're probably building some houses and establishing community and planting churches and, and, uh, and raising children, having babies, And they're starting to stabilize a little bit. There's a little more security, a little more stability in the culture. Joshua, however, is getting old. At this point, he's probably well into his 90s. And he realizes he's only probably got a few days left. And so he decides to preach his own funeral before he dies. There's some things he wants to say. After all the onward progress... He's afraid they're going to go backward, and so he says this in verse 2. Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads and judges and officers, all the leaders, elders, officers, judges, and he said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. How many of you can identify with that statement? All right, great. He says, I'm old. Verse 3 says, you have seen all all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. 
Behold, I have allotted to you an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain. Underline the word remain there in verse 4. Do you know what that tells us? There's more fighting to be done. There are more battles and wars to be waged. Their fighting days are not over. Their enemies are not completely annihilated. It says, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west, the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. And so before he gives them the caution about what is ahead of them, he wants them to remember what God has done for them in the past. The greatest prevention from drifting backward is to remember the goodness of God and what he has done for you. The Lord has fought for you. Can you look back at some battles? Can you look back at some territory that's been gained as a result of the goodness of the Lord bringing you from where you were in bondage, in slavery, in loneliness, in fear, in shame, in guilt, and see how the Lord has brought you to a better place? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can you look at some battles that the Lord has waged for you? Can you remember some seasons where it looked absolutely hopeless? Can you remember even maybe some physical pain and financial stress you were under and somehow, maybe unexplainably, the Lord has done something to bring you out of that to a better place? Isn't it great listening to those testimonies this morning? What are they saying? The Lord has brought me out of my sin, out of my shame, out of my condemnation, and given me the hope of a promised future. And so what God wants us to do, and what I would even encourage you to do as the leaders of your small group or the leaders of your family, maybe even gather around at lunch today and take time to enumerate specific things that the Lord has done to show how good he has been to you. Don't take it for granted. Remember five years ago where we were as a family? Remember three days ago how depressed we were? And look how good the Lord has been to us. It's so important that we take time to look back on God's goodness. And you know what one of the greatest threats is for us falling prey to worshiping backward gods? It's this. It's to see the perceived bad things in our lives as somehow the absence of the goodness of God. Even through the trials, even through the sickness, even through getting old, even through losing things that we love, it is important for us to realize that no matter what I face, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult the trials, God is good. And God is in control. If the devil can get you to question 
the goodness of God, He will get your heart looking for a replacement God. And that's what Joshua wants them to prevent, to be prevented from doing. He wants them to remember the goodness of God. So that's the first emergency break. Here's the second emergency break that will keep us from moving backward. Reject the inferior promises of backward gods. Reject the inferior promises of backward gods. Now, I know you're probably wondering, why did you use the word backward gods? What are you talking about? Do you know what the very first commandment is in the list of 10? What is it? You shall have no other gods before me. And so there is a temptation that has always been there and will always be there. Even if you have have committed your life to the true and the living God through Jesus Christ, His Son, there is always a temptation for our hearts to veer off and give worship to counterfeit false gods. In the Bible, they're called idols. And one of the greatest sins that we can commit against the Lord is idolatry. And as soon as you do that, you start going backwards. And so we have to reject the inferior promises of these backward gods. Look at verse 6. Joshua says, therefore, be very strong. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember the first chapter of Joshua? God was calling him to lead these people. And what did God say? Only be very strong and courageous. And so here Joshua is at the last chapter of his life, and he's passing this baton of strength and courage to the next generation of leaders. And he's so concerned they're going to drop the baton. Be very strong, he says, to keep and to do all that is written in the book, the written revelation of the will and the ways of God is the emergency break that will keep us from moving backward. He says, don't let your face get out of the book. The moment you stop paying attention to the book, the moment that you let the pastor on Sunday morning do all of the Bible study for you is the moment where you're going to move backwards on Monday. You got to keep your face in the book. Only be strong to keep all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. At that time, the Bible was five books. The first five books you have in your Bible is all they had at that point. And it says, turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left. Apparently, they had presidential politics back in those days, too. You had people on the right, you had people on the left. Um, But it's so important. God wants us headed down the straight and narrow. But it's possible for you to end up in the ditch on the right or the ditch on the left. Listen, the devil doesn't care which side you veer into as long as he gets you in a ditch. Last Sunday afternoon, our family went up to Lake Michigan, enjoyed the day. On the drive home, um, I was driving and I noticed there was something on my foot. I had flip-flops on. I'm driving, and I look down, and there's a tick on my toe. Now, 
I've got friends that have Lyme disease. I'm not interested in having Lyme disease. And these little critters carry that thing. And I'm thinking, if that thing bites me, I may get something I don't want. So I calmly just reached down and flicked the tick off of my toe onto the floorboard of the car and kept driving. About five minutes later, I looked down and he's back on my toe. So I kind of kick him and I try to kill him and I don't know where he went and he's gone. Well, five minutes later, I'm still driving and I looked up, he's there again and he's making onward progress. Now, this time I'm a little freaked out and I, I kind of lost my mind for about five seconds. I don't know why I did this. I cannot explain to you this. But while I'm driving, I mean, I'm looking down and we're kind of veering over the center line on this side. And, you know, Andrea hits me and she's, you know, pretty soon I'm looking down and we're kind of going into the ditch on this side and the car's kind of going back and forth. And, and I don't know what happened, but I, the thing is making, pro I'm, I reached down, I grabbed the gear shift and I slammed it into park. We're going about 60 miles an hour. Well, I gathered myself and I'm like, that's not good. So I pulled it and I put it in reverse. And I'm like, wait, this is... So finally, I just jerked it off the side of the road and I finally just got out and I smashed that tick. I don't know if there's any long-term damage done to my vehicle yet. I looked for transmission fluid underneath it. I think it's going to be okay, but you do some really stupid things when you feel like you're under attack, right? Even by something so small as a little tick. My question for you is this. What is it that has caused you to run it off the road into the ditch on the right or the ditch on the left? I don't know about you, I have friends that used to attend this church, they used to sing the praises, they used to pray the prayers, they used to be all into small groups and discipleship and worship and praise, and unfortunately, there's a, there's a trail of bodies that are in the ditch, either on the right or to the left. How do you get to the ditch on the right? Well, if we think about that in, in terms of like really conservative, you can be so hyper-conservative how do you do that? It's when you start adding words to the book, and you think that somehow the Bible's not sufficient, so you just need to add a couple more rules, a couple more regulations, and begin to devise religious schemes and systems, and pretty soon you've added to something that God has said, oh, you're so super conservative, yeah, you're in the ditch on the right. Some of you say, I used to attend a church like that. They used to have so many rules and regulations. I'm so, I'm so glad I don't go to those rule-oriented churches anymore. No, your temptation is to end up in the ditch on the left and not take every word of God seriously. And if you begin to justify why this verse isn't quite applicable to today, and then pretty soon you're going to end up in the ditch on the left. The devil doesn't care which ditch he gets you in as long as he stops you from moving onward. And Joshua says, you've got to reject those inferior promises. Look at verse 7. That you may not mix. Everybody underline the word mix in verse 7. That you may not mix these nations remaining among you or make mention of their, the names of their 
gods with little g's. Or swear by them, or serve them, or bow to them. Do you see the word mix there in uh, verse 7? It reminds me of the of a process that happens almost every day of the week in our house. I bought my wife a Christmas present um, this past Christmas. It was a ninja blender. I mean, you talk about horsepower. This thing will grind up anything. And Andrea knows that my favorite thing is not eating spinach or anything else that's healthy for you. But she knows if she can pack enough stuff in that blender and then throw in things that I like, like bananas and blueberries and strawberries and stuff, that somehow she can get me to drink what's in there, and it'll be a healthy thing for me. Well, do you know what counterfeit gods do? Counterfeit gods, backward gods, never demand your exclusive worship. All they want to do is get in the mix. They just want to be one of the gods that you worship. And if they can just peel off a percentage of your heart that belongs exclusively to God, they will be satisfied. Joshua says, do not even mix with them. The truth of the matter is, you've all come to worship. I mean, you've come to worship the true and the living God. We've done that. We're doing that right now. But some of us have spent our week mixing in a little worship of some backward gods. What is a god? I mean, what is the definition? What does God do? Every god wants the same thing from you, including Jehovah God. What does this God want? Well, a God is any power that seeks these five things. God wants to define your identity. And whatever you choose to define your identity will reveal who your God really is. We open our Bibles when we read about what God says about us. And if you worship the true and the living God, you nod your head and say, yes, I'm exactly who God says I am. And the first thing God says that I am is a dirty, rotten sinner in need of a wonderful Savior. And if by repentance and faith I've embraced Christ as my Savior, I am now a forgiven, dirty, rotten sinner that has hope of heaven one day. I can live victorious over sin. I can believe that God is fighting for me, and I am who God says I am. Another thing we read when we open our Bibles, even on the first page, God tells us some things about who we are as human beings. God says He made them male and female. And so if you worship the God of the Bible... You open the Bible and you realize my gender is not something I get to select. It's something that is defined or assigned. Now, gender confusion is a real thing. It's a real thing for some people in this room. 
If the truth were known, there's some people in here that at times you don't quite understand it, you can't explain it, you want to obey God, you want to believe this God, you want to worship this God, and you read the Bible and it says you're male, but sometimes you don't feel male. But gender identity is really not about gender. Gender identity is about worship. Whoever you choose to worship gets to decide my identity. And so with all the conversations going on about gender identity and sexual orientation, if we worship and serve the true and the living God who wrote a book and has given us an understanding of our identity, what we have to do is this. No matter how I feel or what I think, if I worship the true and the living God, I understand and I accept the assignment or the identity that God has given to me. Unless... Your God is sex. Or unless your God is you. And because you think you get to set the rules, somehow you get to assign self-selected gender identity. Now, if you struggle with gender identity, we're here to love you and help you and accept you, but also point you to the fact that it is a heart of worship that really is the determining factor on what you believe about yourself. Our culture has opened the door to just say everybody gets to decide for themselves because we no longer accept the God of the Bible as the God who defines our identity. A God is a God that wants to govern your autonomy. You know what autonomy is? Autonomy is your freedom to choose whatever you want to do and to be. And as Americans and as a country of, uh, that, that values freedom, you, you are autonomous to a degree about what you get to do. But whoever your God is, is a God that actually will put boundaries on your personal freedom. If you worship and serve the true and the living God... He's given you some boundaries. There are Ten Commandments. There are teachings of Jesus. There are attitudes and virtues and values that we're to accept. But if you reject the God of the Bible, that doesn't mean that you are self-autonomous. That means you're just going to select another God that's going to give you boundaries. You say, I don't do that. Yes, you do. If your God is your career, then your boss is going to govern your autonomy. If your God is intellect and education, your professors are going to govern your autonomy because they're going to say, here's what you have to do to get the grade, and here's how many words have to be on the paper, and I'm going to mark it up, and you're going to change it. Someone's going to govern your autonomy because that's what a God does. In today's message, Backward Gods, Pastor Trent Griffith helped us to see the greatest obstacle to onward progress with God. We learned that while counterfeit gods don't demand our exclusive worship, bowing down to them subtly pulls our hearts away from the true and the living God who alone is worthy of our worship. While one way we can avoid turning to idols is to remember the superior goodness of the real God. And each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, 
believers gather to lift high the name of Jesus in worship and in the public proclamation of God's Word. And we invite you to join us for worship on Sunday at one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana or St. Joseph, Michigan. You can find our campus locations and service times online at harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Join us next week for the conclusion of this message, Backward Gods, as we continue in the series Onward. I hope that God's Word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.